Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live. This is your host, Kevin Knight, reminding you to check out the show live on YouTube on Wednesday nights at 8.10 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to check out our Patreon page where you can unlock exclusive perks, including access to a patron Q&A session where we take Falcons questions for about 30 minutes to an hour. That's a lot of fun. You can find that page at patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to episode 164 of the Falcoholic Live. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, joined by a full house of co-hosts and some very special guests. We'll go right off the top with our guest of the evening. He is Josh Kendall, at Josh the Athletic on the Twitters. Josh is the newest Falcons beat writer for The Athletic. Josh, thanks so much for coming on, and how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely appreciate you making the time. We're also joined by the Falcoholic himself. He is Dave Choate at the Falcoholic on Twitter. Dave, how are you doing? Well, it's Saints week, and I could feel better about the Falcons heading into it, so I guess I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little it's a little sketchy. I would like to feel more confident going into a matchup with the Saints, unfortunately. Not feeling super confident, but we're going to get to that. Also with us tonight, we have Director of Guest Personnel, Evan Birchfield. Evan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks, Kevin. Absolutely. And finally, last but not least, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way recently returned from his all-night party uh, celebrating the Braves World Series. Go Braves, by the way. Adnan, how you feeling? Uh, better than ever. I haven't thought about the Falcons all day. Wow, that's that's incredible. That That's a feat I think all of us wish we could replicate sometimes. It's unfortunate that we're dragging you back to it, but here we are. <laughs> all, all it took was a world championship for another Atlanta team. Yeah, hey, we just those grow on trees, as we all know. So that should be a very frequent occurrence in your lifetime. But uh, yeah, obviously we're all very excited about the Braves. Happy for all you Braves fans. I'm sure there's a bunch of you in here. Um, and uh, here to talk some Falcons because uh, I am a total neophyte when it comes to baseball. But I will say that I kept my promise. I did not turn on the Braves game, uh, the Braves run at all, because as we all know, I was personally responsible for. Ronald Acuna's injury you know I watched the Braves for about two minutes while I was at a bar and then he got hurt so I kept my promise I never watched them again and now we have a World Series so I guess I just never can never ever watch the Braves again I will gladly uh, fall on that sword for everyone else uh, that enjoys the Braves but uh, let's get right to it Josh Uh, I know Josh is making some time for us doesn't have a ton tonight so we'll go to Josh immediately here and uh, well, let's talk about this Panthers game, Josh. Obviously, a disappointing outcome if you're a Falcons fan. A little bit of a tough watch. Uh, how are? What are your thoughts on on the Falcons' performance against the Panthers on Sunday? I mean, it was bad, and it was surprisingly bad from my standpoint. I'm still getting used to. I, we talked off air or off off the live stream, and I'm still new to the NFL. I've spent 20 years in college football, and I think that. 
a bad loss in college football is a lot different than a bad loss in the NFL. I understand that this is much more of a week-to-week league, and these things pop up, and you can't necessarily extrapolate anything beyond the whistle. You know, it's not like, you know, this week matters for next week, et cetera, et cetera. But I feel like this team, you know, was just kind of pantsed by Philadelphia, an average Philadelphia team in the opener, gave one away against Washington, and then gave another one away against a Panthers team that was just playing basically one-handed. Um I think that the Calvin Ridley absence, specifically the late notice of the Calvin Ridley absence, affected the offense. That offense had looked pretty good for a couple of weeks and just did nothing. I mean, for for all the rushing yards that the Panthers got, that loss was on the offense, an offense that just couldn't pee a drop. That's frustrating for Arthur Smith. Um, I know that's frustrating for Falcons fans. I'm not ready to say, you know, the Falcons are doomed now, but, boy, the more you let – these games like this get away, the more you think, I don't know. Yeah. It's a tough, it was a tough watch and you're absolutely right. Like I know it was really speaking of tough watch, tough to watch the defense get absolutely, you know, steamrolled on the ground. But at the end of the day, it was only 19 points allowed. Um, you know, they, they only allowed four field goals on defense. Um, this is, and it this was, is what Dean Pease is going to do. He's been pretty clear about that. And if you read between the lines, it's even clearer. He is going to play, a lot of soft zone. He is just going to catch people coming down the field and be fairly content to let them come down to the 20-yard line, 25, and hope for the best down there. I I don't think we're going to see a defense that's going to stonewall anybody. The best you can hope for is good red zone defense, better third down defense than you saw against the Panthers, and the offense to outscore opponents. This is is up to Arthur Smith and his side of the ball uh, this season. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think um, that's always how it was going to be, considering how bare the cupboard was for Dean Pease and Arthur Smith when they arrived, particularly on the defensive side. It was always going to be the offense's show, uh, and the defense just needed to sort of do enough to keep the game close, and the offense was going to have to bring it home. And so far, that's that's basically been the situation this year. Uh, and when the offense can't move the ball, it's probably going to look a, light, like, a lot like it did against Carolina. And, you know, it, it's noteworthy that the Panthers were the best defense the Falcons have faced thus far. I 100% agree with you that the late notice, I think it showed that that the team was not prepared to play without Calvin Ridley. Um, because previously, when, when it was sort of known that he would be out, um, it looked like they had game planned around it. You know, they had more they wrinkles. Had two or three days at least to get ready for. Yeah, exactly. They had some wrinkles in there. Um, you know, it looks like they were planning to use the other personnel more and it looked without Ridley in this game, it really showed because I think like I said the Panthers are the best defense they've played um and there just wasn't anybody really taking advantage of the fact that the Panthers were sort of dedicating multiple guys to Kyle Pitts on every play. Um Falcons had Felipe Franks just out there running pass routes, just taking up <laughs> yeah. space. Yeah. I mean, I think he had to be the guy that they put up in Ridley's place. And Smith just said, I just want you to go run a bunch of go routes and try to, you know, wave your hands and get somebody's attention. Yeah. So they were really operating on the fly, it looked like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was tough to watch that. Um, difficult game obviously the offense is not the worst performance because like you you mentioned the Philadelphia game that definitely takes the cake for worst offensive performance that was a real tough game to watch but um you know it it's tough uh playing a really good defense like Carolina's and did obviously them getting Shaq Thompson back was absolutely massive for that defense I mean he was what arguably their best defensive player so 
you know, he was out there making big time plays all over the field. Um, and, you know, things don't necessarily get any easier this week against the Saints because that's another really good defense um, that I think matches up well with the Falcons. How are you feeling going into this divisional matchup with a, a Saints team that's now missing Jameis Winston? Well, I, I think I, obviously everyone wants to know whether it's, you know, Falcons fans are going to see their nightmare quarterback and Taysom Hill again, or if they're going to see Trevor Simeon. I, th- I think that Arthur Smith kind of expects to see Trevor Simeon. But again, this comes back to Atlanta's offense. New Orleans has got a good, aggressive defense. But Atlanta, I, I-, I think Smith is really sharp. I don't expect Calvin Ridley to return, all those t- to return Sunday, although Arthur Smith said today he didn't know. He was not sure one way or the other. So they're going to have to come up with some stuff. But I think Arthur Smith can do that with a week to plan. I don't expect another Kyle Pitts performance like we saw Sunday against the Panthers. I think Atlanta can score some points. I think Atlanta's I – mean, it, it, is, it is important for Atlanta to have a better performance. It's important for Atlanta to win. If this team is going to – Arthur Smith talked today about, you know, being part of the middle and feeling like you've got to start – you know, you've got to keep improving – that you're playing important games in December. Well, the chances to be playing important games in December are running out. In the next two weeks, you go to a pretty good New Orleans team and a really good Dallas team. I mean, it, it you know, three and four, you're okay. Three and six, that's not great. <laughs> Less I mean, okay. This is a big game. Yeah. And that's what compounds this Panthers loss even more. Right. The fact that if you're four and three, then okay, you're feeling good. You know, this is one of your toughest stretches of the season right now, but you're already below water right now. And now you have to go to new Orleans and doesn't matter who their quarterback is. They just beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Trevor Simeon under right. center for most of that game. And Dallas is looking scary. Good. Like Dan Quinn has that defense playing manageably well, which is something they haven't had for years. And that offense is, is killer right now. Yeah, even with Cooper Rush. So, I mean, this is without a doubt one of the most difficult stretches of the schedule, and the Falcons really have to come away with one win over these next few games to keep to sort of tread water. Um, you know, the good news is the NFC wild card spots are pretty much wide open. You know, there's just a total cluster of teams all in this sort of four and four, five hundred range. Uh, you know, right now it looks the like the Panthers are starting to get away, though. The Saints yeah, are starting. Yeah. There's a five-team group up there that looks mm-hmm. like they're gone. You write them off. And then there's the middle. But the Saints, you better be careful about the Saints because Mm -hmm. you can't let them get away because if they get away, then they take that sixth spot and then everybody else is fighting for one. I mean, you cut your chances in half. Yeah. Uh, This is a big game. Uh, Josh, how how close of a must win would you say this is, even though it is in New Orleans? I know it's in New Orleans and it's just barely November. Um. It, it's right next. Whatever the next category is, it's, I'm not ready to call it a must-win, but it's right there. It's right there, the notch below. I, I agree that you've got to get. You've almost, if you're going to have realistic playoff shot, uh, realistic playoff shots, you you need to come out of these the next two weeks, four and five, rather yeah. than three and six, right? I'd agree. So, with that. Um, and if and if you're looking at these two games, this is this is. I mean, I don't expect Cooper Rush to still be Dallas's quarterback no. in two weeks. You're looking at Dak again. That, you know, so take your your best chances against Trevor Simeon slash Taysom Hill, two-headed monster. So this is the one you need to get. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, the fact that it's a divisional game too, these always tend to be a little funky. Um, right. Like just like you know, no one really expected the the Saints to be able to beat the Bucks, much less with Trevor Simeon. But that happened, and Tom Brady didn't play a great game at the end. So you know, anything can happen. Um, what in your mind, Josh? Uh, what do the Falcons need to do to beat the Saints? You know, considering that they do have a very good defense, and they're probably going to be very run heavy, which as against the Panthers, was not really a good thing for the Falcons. Right. Well, I think the Falcons have got to figure out a run game. I mean, and I don't mean they have to increase their run percentage. They just have to run more efficiently when they do run. Arthur Smith at Tennessee the last two years was 48% and higher on run percentage. Atlanta, that was three that finished third in the league both of those years. Atlanta right now is 24th in the league in run percentage at like 36%. Obviously, Derrick Henry and a really good run-blocking offensive line is the difference. When you have Derrick Henry in that line, you do that. When you have these guys in this line and Kyle Pitts and sometimes Calvin Ridley, you do this. But Atlanta doesn't have to run it a ton, but they've got to run it a lot more effectively. I think Cordero Patterson's been one of the neatest stories in the NFL so far. But he and Mike Davis have not given them a traditional run game that scares you. Carolina had an 11-minute time – time possession advantage against Atlanta. New Orleans will be more than happy to do that exact same thing with Kamara. You just can't let them. You've got to be able to run the ball and and not and take some time off the clock and get four yards at the same time. You can't just run three times and then punt. That doesn't help you. This, you know, Atlanta, last time I checked, had its longest run was 17 yards. I'm not sure. Did that Mike Davis run against the Panthers? Did that get longer than yeah. 17 yards? I think it was 18. So I think I think no. it was 18 or 19. So that it was still leaves Atlanta and the Jets as the least explosive run teams. I mean, everybody else has had at least something of 25, you know, something like that. They, they've gotten no easy, cheap, quote-unquote, cheap yards in the run game. You know, a 35-yard run would do wonders for morale at Flowery Ranch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, with Cordero Patterson, you would think that they would be a more explosive run team, and perhaps they will if he does end up getting a higher percentage of the carries. That's not really Mike Davis's style in terms of being a big explosive runner. Patterson, most of Patterson's explosive plays, there's been plenty, have been on dump-offs, you know, and screens and short passes, that sort of thing. So they're not technically runs, but, you know, they're somewhat similar. So it's just... And and there's been a couple of shoestring tackles on Patterson too, where I was like, oh, if that guy doesn't get him down, that's like a 40 yard run. You know, he's he's got daylight. So some probably some bad luck there. And also, I think that the Falcons' offensive line is just a lot better pass blocking line than a run blocking yes. line. They've been very sort of hit or miss with the run blocking. Pass blocking has been pretty good. Uh, struggled against the Panthers, one of the NFL's best pass rushes, but um, you know it, it, it's tough. Uh, and you know, hopefully, run blocking I think is is much more of a a comfort thing and, and a, an experience thing that you get when you have the five guys playing next to each other. And these guys obviously have only played a handful and, of games together. So, and I think it'll be so important to scheme Cordero Patterson into space this week. The saints aren't a run defense where you can just go at them head on. And that's why I feel like Mike Davis will kind of be a bit of a sacrificial lamb this week. He'll be used for the, the short yardage, but I feel like at the end of the day, we'll look at the stat sheet and we may say, oh, Mike Davis didn't really have a very good game uh, when he maybe will do what he needs to, what he's asked to do. But this Saints run defense is arguably the best in the NFL right now. They're right up there with the Bills. They just shut down Leonard Fournette and the Bucks run offense completely. This, I feel like it'll be a mistake if you just went in there and 
try to beat them head-on, one-on-one. I, I think it'll take some creativity from Mike Smith to really unlock this run game a little bit. You yeah. just said Mike Smith, but I agree. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. My apologies. <laughs> I was going to let that go, but thank you, Dan. in your brain. I get it. Yeah. If, if it's going to take creative yeah. thinking from Mike Smith to beat the Saints, I'm fine with that too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Mike Smith hasn't. Uh, be- Mike Smith didn't beat the Saints much, so I hope Arthur Smith has uh, more success. <laughs> yeah, don't want to yeah. channel Mike Smith too much in this one. Um, yeah, I've, I've asked all the questions, but we've got time for uh, maybe one or two more if any of you guys have questions for Josh. Anybody? Um, I'll ask one, uh, Josh, based on what you said, I'll take it Patterson to you is the most, um, I guess, exciting story on offense. What would you say is defensive, uh, the most exciting, like defensive player to you right now? I wondered if it was going to be Dante Fowler and kind of a career, career resurrection. That may be a little, a little dramatic, but he was really rounding into shape in this defense before the knee injury. Um, which is unfortunate for the Falcons and for him because I think he fits well in, in a Dean Pease defense. Grady Jarrett is playing really well. But if you're looking at one guy, it's A.J. Terrell. I think he's got a chance to be an elite-type guy and sooner rather than later. He's playing really well. He's do, I mean, he's playing man coverage as well as anybody in the league or anybody in the NFC right now, and I think that includes Jalen Ramsey. I think the last number I saw was 199 coverage snaps, no no touchdowns. I think A.J. Terrell is, is emerging as a star in this league, and it will be a household name by this point next year. That's and maybe Maybe I'm getting over my skis a little bit, but I think he's really good. Yeah, no, I don't. I I think he is really good. He's not going to get the credit he deserves on this defense right now, um, but I think you know if we if this team becomes competitive and is is in the playoffs, I think he'll start to get the shine. But right now, you know, guys have got have kind of got to do it a year in obscurity before anybody pays attention, and then everybody will look in the off season and realize he played pretty well. He goes then he goes into next year with people paying attention. So if he backs it up, if he does it a second year, then I think that's when you reach that. <clears throat> not Jalen Ramsey territory, but NFL fans know who you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. one last thing for me before we let you go, Josh. Um, the Falcons didn't make any moves at the trade deadline. Didn't really surprise me. Were you sort of expecting any moves to happen, or was this pretty much what you expected going in? I didn't expect them to be dramatic moves or major players. I wouldn't have been surprised if they, if they got some – if they thought they – if they – had gotten something for Josh Andrews or Hayden Hurst if they moved those two guys. I think Hurst is a good player, but and that's one reason I thought they might move him because I thought they might get something for him, and he's never going to be the first option in that tight end room because you've got Kyle Pitts. They seem to like Jalen Mayfield at guard, and I think he could have a good future there at guard. That leaves Josh Andrews, who's a starter-quality player at many places in this league, without a starting spot. So I thought you might get something for him too. They clearly either – don't look at the situation the same way I do or just didn't get what they thought made it worth it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with Hayden Hurst. I think we all sort of thought that was the most likely move to happen. And, uh, you know, the fact that they didn't move him probably means that the offers weren't good enough and they're just going to sort of take their chances and see, you know, if maybe they if, if he gets a big deal uh, or maybe, maybe he'll play better over the second half of this year, get a big deal, and then they get a better comp pick, you know, next year as opposed to trading him for like a sixth or a seventh now, which just really isn't worth it. You know, it's sort of a throwaway. So. Uh, I have uh, one more question for Josh, just not Falcons related. How uh, have you enjoyed it so far? covering the team, working for the Athletic? 
I enjoyed working for the athletic. I've, I worked for the athletic prior to this covering South Carolina, mm-hmm. but my background um, has been 20 years of college football, uh, essentially 10 years covering Georgia and then 10 years covering South Carolina. So, you know, just in terms of a change of pace, this has been nice. Um, I'm still getting, you know, the, the road trips, um, you know, Miami and New Orleans and Dallas are different from, you know, Starkville and Gainesville. So that's been, you know, that's been nice. Yeah. But um, I'm still learning the rhythms of the NFL. And when you look at the NFL, obviously we're just media. But once you're part of this monster that is the NFL, you kind of feel like you get swept up in its tractor beam. I, I don't, it's just a it's a whole thing from the fact that when we get here, we have – um, tracers. We turn in our car keys and get tracers as part of the COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like there's no messing around at the NFL. This, you know, we are, you know, this is yeah. this is our show. We run it this way, and that's from top to bottom. So it's, but but I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Yeah, glad to hear that, guys. He is Josh Kendall at Josh the Athletic. Very easy to remember. Uh, Josh, anything that you'd like to plug before we let you go? Uh, just the athletic. Uh, we'd lo- we'd love to have you. Thanks to everybody who subscribes. If you don't join us, um, we I I don't know if I'll alone make it worth your while. We got tons of other folks too, and they will. So come join us. I appreciate y'all having me, guys. We'll do it. Well, let's do it again in the second half. Absolutely, we will. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, Josh. Thanks for having me. Thank you, right. Josh. Have a good night, man. Y'all too. All right, guys. That was Josh Kendall. Great to finally have him on. Uh, I know DW has requested him on the podcast as well. So for those of you that listen to the Falcoholic podcast, uh, which you should, obviously, uh, definitely keep an eye out for for his appearance on there as well. Uh, All right. Now we can finally get some of, you know, everybody else involved. Just wanted to make sure Josh, Josh, uh, still at the team facility, this man working hard. So wanted to make sure he had a chance to, you know, actually get home and probably eat, uh, do other human things. So. Good, good for him. Thank him for coming on for sure. But yeah, let's uh, let's back it up a little bit. Uh, back to the Panthers game. Uh, before we get started on that, just want to remind folks to please like and subscribe if you haven't done that already. Uh, make sure to check out the community Discord server. The link to that's in the show description. Uh, you can check out our Patreon page for interested in supporting the show. That's patreon.com slash falcoholiclive. Uh, lots of cool stuff on there. Our next Q&A is coming up real soon. Still working on the scheduling for that. Uh, and for those of you that are listeners to the Falcoholic Live, I know we have a lot of people that listen on the podcast platforms. Uh, if you're a patron, you get access to the podcasts early. They're ad-free. They're high-quality uh, completely uncompressed audio. So if you're really into that stuff, uh, that's on the Patreon as well. All right. So Dave, you're our, now that now that Josh is gone, you can have all the shine. Um, okay, George, I'm gonna get all to right. your thing. Give me a second, George. I need to work up to that. Okay. Uh, yeah. One second, George. Uh, <laughs> Dave, um, what are your holy thoughts on shit. the Panthers? Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, I need to work up to that. I, it's also really long, so I don't want to butcher it. So, yeah, Dave, give us your thoughts on the Panthers. Panthers um, well, I, I can tell you that, that my big thing was every time that Sam Darnold took the ball down to run, I was yelling, you know, balderdash at the TV, except it wasn't balderdash. It was more what, you know, Adnan was trying not to say um, on air. But it, it I thought I'd that game was deep. <laughs> That game was really frustrating. Um, I just thought, you know, I, you know, the absence of Calvin Ridley was probably a factor, but 
that doesn't explain the run defense, which, um, you know, I have an article coming tomorrow on just kind of this week's big question being, can they stop the run? Because they didn't. Um, this, the Darnold scrambles were incredibly frustrating. They allowed over 200 yards on the ground. You know, that Panthers passing game didn't do a whole lot. I, I think we've seen a lot of good things in coverage from the secondary in particular. I think Eric Harris is coming on. Fabian Moreau is coming on. Terrell is shut down as Evan wrote today. Um, so, you know, being able to take even Sam Darnold, who is obviously struggling, and hold him to the kind of passing performance he had, but but to allow the Panthers to essentially beat you on the ground, uh, that, w- that was a tough pill to swallow. So, you know, it worries me that with, with Taysom Hill coming back for New Orleans, with the Saints certainly having a capable run game, that they're just going to look at that Carolina game plan and say, we can replicate that and that the Falcons don't have a great answer for that. That isn't let's play James Waters more, which doesn't feel like it's going to get the job done <laughs> by itself. So to me, you know, I, I think that that was the worst part of that. The yeah. offense, as Josh said earlier, I, I don't expect that to happen two weeks in a row. I think Arthur Smith has shown, even if there's some lapses here and certainly um, last week would qualify as a lapse that, this team offensively tends to learn from their mistakes and get it back together. And with so many mistakes a week ago, I think they'll be more ready for this one. They'll be able to stay competitive and score some points, even against a very good Saints, um, very good Saints defense. So to me, you'll probably see better on that side of the ball. My concern remains that, you know, New Orleans is going to be able to kind of do whatever they want even though they don't have Winston and and a capable cast of receivers. And so uh, my hope is that that was kind of a one and done with Carolina. Obviously it was the worst performance of the year for the run defense, but I think it's telling that the two worst, um, both teams that had almost 200 yards were the Eagles and the Panthers. And those games got wildly out of hand. Like if the, if this Falcons defense can't stop the run at all, it does not put them in a good spot. Yeah. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you there. And like, um, you know, you look at the score, like the game, I think, felt a lot worse than the score actually was. You know, I think that you you look at the Falcons reasons for losing and like they gave up a ton on the ground, but they really didn't let the Panthers score a lot. Um, It was sort of the way the game went. And the fact that the Falcons just shot themselves in the foot like three times. Um, and if they don't shoot themselves in the foot any one of those times, they're probably in a position to win this game at the end instead of desperately kicking a field goal, trying to get an onside kick and all that crap. So, um, you know, I think I think if Youngway Koo hits that field goal, which he almost never misses, then there's only a you know six-point deficit at the end. Um, so they're, they're probably just going for a touchdown there. There's a chance to win there. Matt Ryan doesn't throw that first pick after his hand is like mauled by a cleat. Um, you know, if they get any points on that drive, same situation. And then again, they were mounting a promising drive and another interception happened that that one was obviously not good. Uh, they get any points on that drive again, same situation. So, um, difficult to watch, uh, but as bad as the game felt, you know, probably wasn't as dire as it sort of seemed. But as I think Adon mentioned, you know, this losing this game ups the stakes for this Saints game a lot uh, because now you're in a situation where you're below 500 and now you're chasing two division rivals that are both ahead of you for the wild card race. 
Um, and it's just really difficult to get out of that hole now. If, if you drop any of these re- next few games against NFC contenders, it's like now you got to get wins against some of the toughest teams left on your schedule. Um, Adnan, how are you feeling uh, after this Panthers loss? Are you, I know you know you were hoping to come in here with the Falcons getting their first winning record, you know, in years, and you were going to start the playoff train. Where are you now? I'm disgusted. Uh, I was legitimately disgusted watching this game. It felt like we were getting squeezed and bled out slowly throughout the entire afternoon. Yeah. And it was one of those games where you just got out-efforted and out-beat because that's what happens when you lose in the trenches so bad. No amount of scheming could have... uh, Nothing that Arthur Smith could have done on offense could have really helped given how emphatically the offensive line lost their battle against the defensive line. And the defensive line was even worse. Like, it was an absolutely disgusting performance uh, from an effort standpoint. And it was it, it was one of the most frustrating football games I've watched because, you know, how can it not be frustrating where the other team has, bleeds so much clock and you just let them do it and you know exactly what's coming next. You know that they're, they're not looking to pass the ball uh, with Sam Darnold. They did not trust Sam Darnold enough to pass the ball. They deliberately made this a one-dimensional offense, uh, a one-dimensional rushing attack, and you just let them do it. And they didn't even have Christian McCaffrey. It's not like they have Derrick Henry where he's just bleeding you out. Uh, they were killing you with Chuba Hubbard, with Amir Abdullah. It was... I don't know. There aren't enough negative terms for me to use to describe this game because, you know, one of the one of the things that I keep saying over and over again is that no matter how analytical the sport gets, no matter, you know, how much math is involved, football will always at its core, by its nature, be one in the trenches. Football is a sport that's won by blocking and by tackling. And if you lose both facets of the game the way that they lost it, I don't care. You could have rolled the 2007 Patriots out there uh, and their skill position players or, uh, you know, the, the secondary, the Legion of Boom secondary of the Seattle Seahawks. And they would have lost that game because... You know, that's, that's what will happen when you lose so much up front. Uh, it is the second most frustrating thing for me, like uh, for me as a football fan, for me to watch my team to do, do to uh, lose the, uh, the battle of the trenches that emphatically. The first would be uh, careless and stupid turnovers. Yeah, but it was it was one of the worst performances I've seen from both units along the line all season. I feel like for the offensive and defensive line that was even worse than the, than the Philadelphia Eagles game. Even though overall the offense was worse against the Eagles, but yeah, I was absolutely disgusted, and I I know for a fact that Arthur Smith was disgusted. It yeah. they just got out efforted out there, and you know. I, I have no words for how bad it was. I don't have a single good thing to say about either of those units. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... 
Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, and I mean, it's like the defense, it was like a, just a demoralizing loss the way they lost. And like, they didn't give up a ton of points. They definitely really didn't let the Panthers passing game do a whole lot. But like, um, just demoralizing to see them struggle that much with the run game and um you know it's 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 a problem I think a lot of us sort of theorized about in the offseason when the Falcons sort of didn't they were going to more of a 3-4 defense they didn't really have a traditional 3-4 nose tackle and when you've got linebackers like Deion Jones and Foy Aluakun who are good coverage guys and like they're good tacklers for their size, but these are not guys that are going to be shedding blocks and taking guys head on and, you know, sort of being able to sift through traffic and um, make big plays against the run on their on their own. They need a big space eater in front of them, and they don't really have one. I mean, I think Tyler Davison is a good 4-3 nose, um, but being asked to play a true 3-4 nose tackle role is always going to be something that is not really a great fit for him, and even as a even as a, a nose tackle in general, I think Davison's pretty average. So this was just asking for trouble, and, and this was the perfect game script for the Panthers to to just blast the Falcons on the ground. You know, if the Falcons are are playing better on offense and have a lead most of this game, Panthers aren't running the ball like this. Uh, but they just couldn't get out of their own way in the second half, and those turnovers really sunk them. But um, uh, what I hate, and I know I've talked for a while, is. The defensive line just looked like it quit toward the end of the game. Like they were getting, they got their ass beat over and over again. And in that fourth quarter, it looked like they just completely folded. And that's the worst part about it uh, for me because, yes, if you, if you lose, if you're in a back and forth game, like for example, we were all furious about that Washington loss. Yeah. But, you know, they went out there. And credit to Washington, they, they made some plays. You know, we, we had some singular players making some mistakes. But just the defensive line, the front seven as a unit, they just went out there and quit. And I, I'll never be able to accept that. Yeah, I mean, without Dante Fowler, as much as we all crapped on Dante Fowler in the offseason for his very bad 2020, like, he's like head and shoulders above every other edge they have on the roster and without him out there, it's it's like pretty damn egregious uh, as to like how how bad the team actually is, uh, you know, in terms of the the edge defending group. And you know, like we mentioned it, like the, they don't have a real true nose tackle, and the defensive tackles in general are still like four three guys. They're not really these bigger guys that you might need to stop the run and and it it shows um and you know we've talked about jordan davis and you know that pick is seeming more and more likely every time something like this happens um and it's it's 
you know, not something I would be against at this point after watching the team get bulldozed on the ground. You, you get someone like Jordan Davis in here, and that will never happen again. Um, so it's uh, it's tough. It's tough to watch. Evan, did you have a take on this Panthers game before we move on? Uh, no, not a whole lot. Um, I think Adnan pretty much summed it up perfectly. There's like three guys, like legit three guys on this team that I think could have walked away from Sunday's game, not feeling like they let the team down. And I think that's Patterson. I think he just continues to, I mean, everything he's doing is remarkable, especially at his age, given how much time he's been in the league and like, he's, you know, legit on the ground as a rush, uh, as a running back than what he's doing through the air. Um, the other is AJ Terrell. I think he just continues to prove his case. I mean, I guess you could also throw in Grady Jarrett. He's, you know, there's only so much yeah, he can yeah, do by himself. Exactly. Um, but I think underrated was Tajay Sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the extent of how soon. I know they said like a couple hours before game day, but I mean, he was basically thrust into being the number one receiver. Russell Gage, um, he's on the injury report with a groin injury. I don't know when that happened, but it was enough to where he wasn't even targeted at all in that game. No, no. Um, so t- Tajay Sharp instantly becomes you know, your wide receiver one. And I thought he did pretty well considering. Um, and, you know, going forward, I don't know how much like Marvin Hall is going to play into it and assuming Gage gets back on the field. But, um, you know, Matt Ryan seemed to trust him a little bit with Kyle Pitts pretty much being shut down because of how the defense just focused on him. Um, but aside from those four, everybody else just pretty much shit the bed. Yeah, you know, I need I need to take my victory lap for uh, Tajay Sharp, wide receiver three. That was my, you know, preseason prediction. And, you know, he might end up being more than that by the end of the season if things go really south. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people were really, you know, excited about Sharp's game. But I think that's sort of what he is. Like, I think if you're asking Sharp to do more than, like, five for 58 in a game, like, that's – I don't know that's a great recipe for offensive success. I think Sharp is a, is a good chain mover, a good possession guy. But he shouldn't be the focal point of your passing offense. I think the Falcons know that. Um, but I, I do think he's a, a capable guy, someone that Matt Ryan can rely on, um, who can have a real role for this team, maybe, you know, pass this year as a reliable guy because they, they need people to step up. And um, it may have to be sharp for a while. You know, like like Evan said, we'll see about uh, Marvin Hall, who we'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, but uh, the but depth like going there, forward, yeah. assuming, you know, Gage um... – whatever is going on with his groin injury. If he was to miss Sunday's game, I think Tajay Sharp still probably gets most out of the receivers, not yeah. being, you know, not Kyle Pitts um, just because of his recent connections with Matt Ryan. But obviously Marvin Hall, you know, slowly actually it might be even quicker than we think yeah. just because of uh, he's got what, the chemistry already. Yeah. Right. And what's available on the roster. So, yeah, it kills I, me that like I made that that it's Taj it's Tajay Sharp time joke um, <laughs> repeatedly on Twitter, and every joke I make is ultimately cursed to come true in the worst <laughs> way possible. So it's like this is not how I wanted Sharp to have a major role, but he's doing well with it. So yeah, absolutely, and like I, I like Sharp. We'll talk about him more in just a minute as we get to some of these roster moves. But before that, I got to give George Costanza. His moment in the sun here. George Costanza sets the all-time Falcoholic Live record for biggest tip with his $150 donation. George, 
Thank you so much, man. We really appreciate you. Oh, um, you're saying that with Dave on? He's going to take I his know. Uh, 20 Yeah, Dave's uh, getting his cut now. He's like, okay, I was on for this one. That's why. Dave, happened, Dave is yeah. going to take $149. I was going to say 25%. What did my rank yeah, go down? That's, that's, what, that's what we get. Yeah, 25% of 25%. Yeah. You think these minor got... league baseball caps just buy themselves? I don't think so. <laughs> I only got 25 cents last time. Yeah, that's it. You'll get this time. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't, you know, shut it up, you know, you're, you're not going to get anything. So, uh, but yes, thank you so much, you George. Hey Penny. Yeah. Hey, Penny. There you go. Uh, he says, Braves win, Braves win, Braves win. I call it odd non. You doubted them. Uh, on that I, note, did you doubt uh, them? George, George, you're right. I did not. I'm, and I just like to say, I did not think that the Braves were going to win it this year. Like, after the Acuna injury, I was like, it's. It's just so much bad happened to this team yeah. that I, I was like, all right, it's it's just one of those we'll get them next year type things because Soroka tore his Achilles. Ozuna had his incidents that kept him out of uh, out for the season. I'm not going to elaborate on those. The Acuna injury, you know, even getting into the playoffs, you had uh, Charlie Morton breaking his leg. And none of it mattered at all because this team got hot at the right time. Yeah. And they just overcame every bit of adversity. And I'm so proud of them. With how I am, I am as proud of the Braves as I am disgusted with the Falcons over these past <laughs> few years, which is a lot. That's because a lot. Because, yeah, the Braves have just like been a top-class organization, and they did it the right way with that rebuild. I remember watching those those seasons in 2015 when they were losing almost 100 games, convincing myself that maybe they have a chance at making the playoffs those years the same way I do with the Falcons. <laughs> and, yeah, they they got hot. It, it reminds me of that 2016 Falcons run for, for a fact where they peaked at the right time, except this time the Braves actually did get it done in Houston while the Falcons shit the bed in Houston. Yeah, yeah, I agree there. Uh, George continued saying uh, more Braves takes. So you know, you guys want to parse these out, but I uh, hope we resigned Freddie Freddie Freeman, right? I know that uh, to a reasonable deal. Uh, I'm afraid of a Chris Davis situation, like in Baltimore. Can't comment on that. Um, he says, "No, this is a Falcons con- a Falcons podcast." But finally, an ATL team that didn't choke. Yeah, I'm hoping that this you know breaks the curse. So Braves, you know, good job. Uh, hopefully, the floodgates will open now. Because uh, I think the Hawks can compete this year too. I also know very little about basketball, but I'll consider the watching got, the Hawks because they seem fun. So the Hawks got to the last four. You yeah. know, uh, UGA is looking yeah. prime to win a title yeah. this year. Like, so if it, like if UGA wins it, then I think we know that it's like okay, the, the Falcons. We're, the we're floodgates are opening. The yeah, floodgates yeah. are opening for everyone, but the Falcons. Yep. Yep. Well, you know, some people will probably be okay with sacrificing the Falcons. I'm not one of them, um, so <laughs> please don't sacrifice the Falcons. But you know, hopefully we can all share in the new uh, the new order of non choking. That that's my hope. For for me watching it, you know, I I think I'm like Kevin, where like I don't watch baseball ever, but I was hoping, obviously, since it's an Atlanta based team, that they would win just so all these people who are also Falcons fans could experience some sort of joy. And I mean, I was so jealous seeing how happy everyone was, like. I would just love a taste of that. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to go down, you know, talk about that one game um, that could have delivered that taste. Um, but it's like for a brief minute, I remember having that. And I saw it, you know, through all the Braves fans um, celebrating. And 
I think it's just good for the city, but yeah, I, I need the Falcons to get at least <laughs> yeah. competitive soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Falcons need to, you know, get on some of this good vibes as well, in my opinion. So, um, all right, next up we got Solaire, aka Guy Fieri with the $3. Thank you so much, Solaire. He says, shout out to the World Series MVP, Jorge Solaire. <laughs> I get it. Praise the sun. My question, uh, obviously we can't get OBJ due to cap implications, but this offseason maybe we could sign him for peanuts if we could. Would you do it? He's got that yards after catch ability that Arthur Smith likes. I mean, it depends on price. Um you know, in my opinion, um, I wouldn't be like necessarily against OBJ. Um, you know, I think that's certainly one name to consider. Um, I tweeted out earlier, like a list of guys, I think, um, to me, like the guys I'd probably be looking at. I mean, I, I just love Allen Robinson, but he's probably going to be too expensive. Um, Cortland Sutton is one that I like. Um, you know, we'll see how, how big his price is. Uh, Mike Williams from the Chargers, uh, DJ Shark. Michael Gallup, uh, you know, if Jacoby Myers or Preston Williams don't get RFA, like big money RFA deals, like second round tenders or anything, um, you know, maybe those guys could be an option. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I do think they're likely to sign a free agent receiver. Um, but it probably, you know, the price of that receiver probably depends on what they do with Ridley, um, whether they trade him, keep him, extend him, whatever. You know, I think we're still very much in an unknown area with Ridley in terms of how what his long-term future with the team will be. You know, I think if, if the Falcons were to get a really good offer for Ridley, they might just not be able to pass it up, but it depends. You know, we, we don't really know yet what that's going to look like. Um, what do you guys think about OBJ coming to the Falcons next year? Yeah, I got that question on Twitter earlier, and, you know, I thought about it for about a half a second, and... Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this team, if you have an opportunity to buy low, which, you know, maybe we don't, maybe he's still going to be too costly for, you know, what Terry Fontenot is looking to do in 2022. But if you can buy low on a talent like OBJ, um, that that's absolutely something you ought to be doing. Um, this Falcons team is going to need playmakers, even if Ridley comes back and is, is ready to go, you know, resurgent. Um, you know, looking like the the Calvin Ridley of, of 2020, you could still use a complimentary piece um, like OBJ. So, you know, this offense should be as good as it possibly can be because we're looking at this team contending next year, if they do, based on the strength of the offense. You're still trying to, you know, hopefully navigate the, the final years of Matt Ryan's relative prime um, and keep this passing game humming. So, He'd absolutely be a guy I would love for the Falcons to, to pick up, even if he does end up spending some time with the Saints this year and gets that stink on him. I think it, it'd be worth doing. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think they'll be in the market for a big uh, big money wide receiver. But man, if they were, you know who I think would be perfect for this team is Allen Robinson. Yeah, like, I would that love is that. the oh. big bodied guy that would be absolutely sublime in Arthur Smith's offense. Uh, you know, the guy that can go up to those contested catches and Matt Ryan would be the best quarterback he's ever played with by far. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, this is Bortles erasure. <laughs> Don't slander uh, my, my I mean, Bortles was, I think, a pro bowler that year. The he gar- was. The, yeah. the greatest garbage time season I've ever seen. And yep. Jalen Hurts is now giving him a run for his money this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I would love Allen Robinson. I feel like he's going to get $20 million because I think everyone knows he's great. And it's just the Bears that are causing him to have a down year. But, man, if he was, like, a little bit cheaper, like, if you could get him for, like, $15 million a year or something... Man, I would love that. Um, but if the Falcons are going to be signing one of these really expensive receivers, it's probably after a Ridley trade. Um, and I think if you do get a, a premium pick back for Ridley, you know, that that's an option that I think makes sense for this team. Um, but, you know, it really just depends. There's a lot that goes into if, that decision. If they do have Ridley um, and he's playing next year, uh, you mentioned Cortland Sutton. Another name I want to throw out there is I like Christian Kirk a lot. Um, and I think with what Arizona has, I mean, I don't know that they make it a priority to bring him back. Um, but he's another name I'd love. I, yeah. I mean, I think that would be a great pairing with Ridley. Yeah. yeah I like well, that awesome in the red zone too, which I, I, you know, I feel like he just scores out of nowhere yeah. every other week. Like he's, he's one of my guys in fantasy, so I'm always keeping tabs on him and yeah, yeah he's good. you know, he's like yeah. the fourth or fifth receiver in Arizona just because yeah. I right. don't play but he'd be he'd be terrific here. Uh, and the chat also brought up uh, someone like Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who I yes. would I would be all for Brandon Ayuk. Like that relationship in San Francisco does not look uh, like it's a healthy one between Ayuk and Kyle Shanahan. And oh, man, that's someone we've seen the flashes from him last mm. year. He's someone who I think Arthur Smith would be salivating at you know possibly being able to scheme some stuff up for him. Uh, I, I would I would definitely be willing to part with like a fourth rounder for him. Yeah, he can yeah. do sim not exactly on the ground. I think to the level of um, of Cordero Patterson, but he's that kind of similar player where you could run him outside and use him as a receiver. I I think that's a good name too. Yeah, I think that's one. You know, this team seems really really stingy with their draft picks. Like, they yeah. haven't really been willing to trade anything away except for that seventh for Lee Smith, which I think we can all agree was a good deal. You know, Lee Smith is a pretty good tight end blocker, uh, outlet That's receiver. Second best tight end like, on the team this year. You know? <laughs> I think I think more than anything, he's a locker room. Yeah, I mean, for a seventh, guy. like, you're, you're not getting anything better than that for a seventh. So I yeah. think that's, you know, they're not really, they don't uh, care about a seventh-round pick. But Bro, I still remember Falcons Twitter complaining about that. Oh like, bro, God. it's a late seventh-rounder. Who like, cares? What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who, who gives a fuck? Yeah, they like, got their seventh-round pick from 2020, like, a minute, like, like without any questions. So and some like, people took it as a sign, like, oh, they're not going to get pits now. I mean Falcons fans like I, I love this fan base and like a lot of the things that people say about this fan base like were unusually toxic or negative like that's just not true you look at any other fan base but we love the minutia we love the little things man and that is absolutely true yeah I agree I agree um, all right let's see uh, we got Jason Gaines with the two dollars says my Braves are World Series champs now can the sports media stiffu about ATL not being able to win a championship? Hashtag battle one, hashtag chop on. Also on the subject of the Falcons, would not like to see Nazialik ever punt for us again. And I think Marvin Hall should be on our active roster. Break that down. Um, uh, I, yeah. I think Hall is on his way to being on the... Yes, yeah. Him yeah. getting signed to the practice squad, that's just for the time being. That's, that's how this process goes. I think in about a week, maybe not this weekend, but next... 
If not, maybe even this weekend he'll be promoted. I mean, you see Adrian Peterson was on the Titans practice squad for like an hour and then promoted. Like yeah, so was Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell mm-hmm. with, the, uh, with the Ravens earlier. That, that's just the process. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, so I, I think Marvin Hall will be activated for Sunday's game, um, you know, in terms of when he gets to the roster. It could be, like, cap-related at this point. Um, they also haven't put Calvin Ridley on IR, um, so, you know, there may be a question of, like, trying to figure out what they want to do with the roster at this point, um, you know, because they can elevate guys without having to cut anybody, but uh, if they want to, like, sign someone to the 53 without that, you know, they may have to shuffle guys around. Um, so that may be why he hasn't been promoted yet. With Nazilek, you know, I, I think honestly Nazilek was was playing better. You know, he had that one disastrous game against Tampa Bay, but I think his his punts were getting much better um, up until you know he got hurt against Washington. I think his kickoffs were not good. Um, you know, and he had that one return for a touchdown. Um, but I think Koo's actually been getting a lot better at kickoffs. So maybe you know you don't really need your punter to be the kickoff guy anymore with Koo sort of getting better there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the only reason I, I want to see Nazilek versus someone like Dustin Colquitt uh, is because Dustin Colquitt's 39 years old um, and he's not going to be your punter next year. Uh, he may, you know, very well retire. Um, so I just like, you're, you're not Dustin Colquitt's not a long-term option. I think you need to see if Nazilek can be, so you know if you have to draft somebody um, or sign somebody in the offseason. Um, you know, I know people are mentioning J.K. Scott. I honestly don't know why J.K. Scott's not on a roster. He has a great career punting, punting average, really has been a good punter. Um, you know, I don't know why he's not been signed because I, I wanted them to sign him when the Falcons had their rash of injuries. But, um, you know, he's still not signed anywhere. So there must be something going on there. I don't know what. Um but yeah, that that's sort of where we are with that. Um, yeah, let's. Uh, I know folks want to talk about Ridley, so I figured we should talk about Ridley just a little bit in terms of what's going on with him. You know, we don't have any more information than what you guys already know. Um, you know, it does seem to be mental health related with Ridley. There doesn't seem to be a timeline for his return. I think we all sort of agree that you know we we hope that he's able to to deal with whatever is ailing him and he's able to come back you know feeling better. And, and we hope it's soon, but we just don't know. Uh, no one seems to know, not even Arthur Smith. I mean, as, as Josh Kendall said earlier, you know, Arthur Smith wasn't even sure that he wouldn't play Sunday. So I guess it seems like the door's open for him to come back sort of any time, and they haven't put him on IR. Um, but other than that, we don't really know. But I do think it's important for, for players and people in general to, to take care of their mental health issues. I think it's something that goes ignored for far too long, and... Um, if you don't, you know, you can play through it, you can avoid dealing with it, but it doesn't get better and it just, it, it, it festers. And I I think it's probably the best thing for him, probably for the team too, that, that he deals with it now instead of sort of dragging it out. Um, but yeah, do you guys have anything you want to add on, on Calvin Ridley? You know, I, I just say like one of the things that I think, um, you know, Alan Stark wrote about earlier this week that I, I think was important is, you know, Ridley's profile and the profile of a lot of these athletes who are kind of at the top of their game, like for them to be able to say, and I think it is important that they can say, I appreciate what the Falcons are doing here by supporting Ridley. Um, And to be able to say, you know, I can't do this. I need this time. Whatever the issue might be is, is something that you think back historically, 
I, Mickey Mantle was the example that I think came to mind for Alan and I when we were reading this story together is is a guy who sort of self-medicated, right? He, he lost his father. He was under a lot of stress. He didn't handle it well. He ended up, you know, developing sort of a drinking problem. And, and I'm not saying that every athlete who is struggling with anything is going to do that, but I'm saying there are healthy and unhealthy ways to approach when you're struggling with mental health and mental wellness. And I think that for Ridley to be able to say the healthiest thing for me you know, is to be able to take this time, however long it may be, and the organization saying, you know, that's the right thing to do. I think that's an important thing to be able to do. And I think it, it eventually trickles down. You know, I, I know a lot of people responded to this in, in our comments and elsewhere saying, well, you know, I can't take that time. You know, why, why should a professional athlete be able to do that? They should just go through it. Well, I think in an ideal world, any of us who are struggling would be able to do that. They would be able to take that time and an organization, no matter who you are, what you work in, you know, what you do and what you're struggling with would be able to take the time to get right. Because the honest truth is when you are not doing well mentally, when you do not feel like you can handle things, you are not playing or, or working at peak performance anyways. And I think anybody, if they're being honest with themselves who has struggled, and that's most of us, would probably say that, right? So. You know, to me, the fact that Ridley in, in sort of a high profile spot is able to do this, the Falcons are supporting him. He's able to take that time and, and hopefully deal with whatever he needs to deal with. And however long it takes him, you know, come out of it better and stronger. That's an important thing, not just in sports, which traditionally has been, you know, very much like the power through, but mm -hmm. for every other industry, look at how many sports metaphors, sports you know, examples we use in our, our daily lives at work and like being able to point to that and say, you know, you're not just going to push through it, but really the mindset should be, you take that time it, it is really important. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think uh, yeah, I'd like ahead. to say just, uh, not just beyond Calvin Ridley, even, uh, it's so important to have your mental health, you know, checked out. And if, you know, you're out here, you know, struggling with it, to, uh, you know, talk to someone about it and to, you know, get it checked out. And one thing that I really like about uh, where we're going as a society is that, uh, you know, back 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know, mental health, that was just like, you know, thrown, thrown down and been like, all right, you know, just tough enough, you know, just, you know, the old cliche, be a man about it. But we know that uh, mental health and, you know, depression, anxiety, those are, you know, as real as a broken arm uh, or a physical injury. And they legitimately change the shape of your, of your brain. They change the chemicals of, of your brain. You know, this isn't stuff where you can just kind of get over it. Uh, the way that, uh, you know, back in the day, people, people said to do so. Um, and you know, I I just want want to you know tell everyone out there, if you are struggling through it, there's no need to to struggle through it like this in silence. You know, go get it checked out. What what you're going through is is very real, and you know, I hope that Calvin Ridley, uh, you know, get, comes back 100%. Gets gets the assistance he needs, uh, and comes back a better person and everyone out there who's struggling with mental health issues 
that you know they they get help for it and that you know they they end up being better on the other side of it yeah 100 percent um you know i know i know a lot of people maybe don't know this but you know my uh degree that i have is actually in psychology um and my wife is a mental health counselor as well so you know this is i totally understand ridley um you know i don't understand his situation personally because i have no idea what he's going through but it's it's this very serious thing you know sports psychology was something i was considering getting into and um you have no idea a lot of people a lot of you know just people sports watchers don't know but sports psychology is a huge field um and it's really an emerging field because most people don't understand what it's like to be under the sort of pressure that these guys are under um and and helping the and and there's so many guys that are that are dealing with it you know men and women of all sports um and it's a serious thing and um you know you just it's 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 hard to quantify how many great careers were never realized because of these mental health issues. And they're sort of coming to the forefront now um, more. And I think that's a good thing. Um, but th- this has always been here. Um, and I think it-, it doesn't help to hide things. And I just encourage everyone to, to face, you know, face your issues and, and, and get, get the help you need because it doesn't make you any less of a man or, or, or a strong person um, to ask for help. I think it takes a strong person to know when to ask for help. And I think, uh, you know, I'm glad uh, that Ridley was able to do that now. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just, I mean, there's like a ton I could say about this, but I just think from the outside looking in, obviously we don't know, you know, the bare minimum of what he's been dealing with. Things to keep in mind is we don't know how long this has been going on. I think a lot of people for some reason, um, it's most likely that they just don't understand how mental health is. Um, think that you just wake up on a Sunday and mental health, or, you know, your ment- whatever you're dealing with depression, anxiety, it's stuff that, you know, usually lingers on, um, and then just builds up and builds up. He could have been dealing with this going back to last year and just kept putting it off and it's been boiling up to a breaking point. Um, again, no idea what he's dealing with. Um, the specifics. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I, I, I see what Dave's saying about people wanting to say, Oh, well, my job, I can't do this. Or, you know, I can't take time away. First off, maybe you should be able to, I don't, I, I never understood the thought process of saying, well, if this person's, you know, doing something that should be allowed, I, I should be able to, you know, I shouldn't be, or he shouldn't be able to, because I can't. Um, you should be able to step away and deal with that. Maybe someday in the future, that'll be a norm. God will, and that would be great, I think. Um, but, you know, just uh, for right now, it's just you got to be careful with what you say because you have no idea how long he's been dealing with whatever it is he's dealing with. Um, I don't think he's wanting to be away from football. I just think, that, you know, the way mental health works, he has to be away from football right now. And, you know, Obviously, when when the time is right, he'll return to football. Um, no idea when that'll be, but all we can do is you know be supportive of Ridley um, because it's it's a difficult situation. It just really is, and hopefully going forward, people look more into mental health. Um, I believe the NFL has actually started putting. Um, I don't know when they started it, but uh, like eight to twelve hours a week, they put a they have a, a psychologist at the headquarters or, you know, the headquarters, the teams and stuff like that. 
Um, so yeah, they're going in, you know, in the right direction. I think another thing to keep in mind is, you know, you could look back and say, well, hell, uh, Babe Ruth wouldn't have been, he would have been out there. Babe Ruth played in a different era. Um, these guys are literally under the scope of everything. When Calvin Ridley has a bad day at work, like, you know, from Twitter, Facebook, you're getting bashed. Like we live in an era where literally all, all your business, if you're a well-known person, is on the internet. Like that's totally different from what Babe Ruth, you know, seeing a column in the newspaper or something. You know, it's yeah. it's a different time. Um, you could easily, whether an actor, uh, sports figure, politician, whatever, um, if you're well known, you could literally Google your name and just see people shitting on you. And that's okay. got to be something. And I promise you that they did not know the sciences behind mental health right. issues in the 1920s. Well, yeah. and they, they didn't. And also, like, you look back at, like, the profiles of these old-timey ball players. I remember reading, you know, about Ted Williams. Like, there were so many things with Ted Williams who, you know, had a fantastic career. You know, there, there were things that he was clearly not well with, you yeah. know. And, and, like, this was true of all these guys. Like, they were, you know, to Evan's point, they didn't have their business – out there but they were coping with you know the pressure in one way or another and i think most people do and you know all of us at our jobs you know at home with family whatever it may be and i I think the thing to remember too the one thing that i'd finish off with here on my part is you know from an organizational standpoint the falcons this is the right thing to do for them like we have to think you know in a vacuum here too like if they said to calvin ridley you know, tough shit, we're cutting you, or, you know, you can't take the time off, you're going to have to suck it up and play. There are, you know, we, we keep seeing athletes come out, really great athletes, you know, Elaine Johnson with the Eagles and so forth, uh, Ridley, Simone Biles, coming out and saying that they're struggling. And so what you would be saying is the Falcons, if you don't support Ridley, is anybody who's struggling with you know, and again, we don't know what's going on with Ridley, so I'm not saying this is what he's dealing with. But if you've got anxiety, you've got depression, and you're coming to the Atlanta Falcons, and you know that they're an organization that's not going to support you if shit hits the fan for you, and you need that time, that's bad news. That's that's not going to be a player that's going to want to join your team. So I, I think this is just this is the smart thing for Ridley to do for himself, so that he can maximize you know his career, his happiness, his life. But it's also the right thing for the org to do. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we pretty much covered it. Obviously, uh, we could probably go on about this for a while, but we'll, we'll sort of leave it there and transition to something infinitely more depressing, which is talking about this Saints game, which I don't <laughs> think the Falcons uh, match up particularly well in. Um, but I'll, I'll let you guys get the first crack at that. Uh, Adnan, I'll go to you first. You know, how are you feeling going into the Saints game? Do you think the Falcons have a chance to get the win on Sunday? Well, I have a personal uh, moral philosophy to never pick against the Falcons in any games against the Saints. Um, So I'll always say that they have a chance. The Saints are on paper big favorites. It doesn't matter who Sean Payton can line up at quarterback. The the Saints will still be favorites in this game because they have a much more complete team overall, top to bottom. They have better depth. Um, You know, their defense is scary. Their defense has been scary since 2017 and I know that uh, Drew Brees and that offense has always gotten the headlines but that defense is the reason why the Saints have been winning all of those division titles in a row um, so you know they also have Alvin Kamara who 
you know, I, I shudder to think what Alvin Kamara is going to do uh, to this team after after what Chuba Hubbard and the Panthers' offensive line did against them. Saints have a much better offensive line, a much better run game. Um, they don't have the wide receivers that Carolina does. They don't have a DJ Moore. They don't have, you know, their quarterback will be a lot. The Falcons will have a much bigger advantage at the quarterback position with Matt Ryan over Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill. Um, but the Saints have the advantage at almost every other facet other than quarterback, tight end, and a few of these other positions. Um, however, despite all of that, I'm still picking the Falcons because I can't pick against the Falcons. This is one of those freaky division games where anything happens, especially when it's Falcons-Saints. Um, and I will hold out hope that the Falcons can win this on the last second field goal or something. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping for, you know, the fact that these division games are all weird. But, yeah, go ahead. I, someone was taking a breath to speak, and I cut you off very rudely, so go ahead. No, I was I was literally just taking a breath. But uh, well, Now I mean, you I'll have to ahead. speak. It's too late. Oh, yeah, yeah now yeah. I'm on the spot. Um, I mean, I, I'm agreeing with Adnan. Like, I'm not going to pick the Falcons to ever lose against Saints. Like, I hate them more than just about anything <laughs> yeah. on earth. Um, but, I mean, if – I'm not confident coming into this game. I think I'd be crazy to say if I was like feeling that way. Um, last week, going into the Panthers game, that was probably the most confident I've been in with the Falcons in quite some time. So naturally, they shattered that to pieces. Um, I just hope they play competitively. Um, if they win, that's great. If they don't, I hope they at least show that they belonged on the same field, which last week, it was just awful. This week, you know, these rivalry games with the Saints, it can go literally any way. Like, you can be undefeated, and it doesn't matter. Like, it's going to be tough. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I'm not overly confident. Um, just hoping for a good game, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally fair. Um, you know, I think it's – I don't think the Falcons match up particularly well with the Saints. As, you know, we said earlier in the show, we talked to Josh. I mean, I think the Saints' defense is really good. Um, the Falcons offense, I think, I think the Falcons offense will sort of crap on bad defenses. And I think that they will be really fun to watch against bad defenses, but against good defenses like the Panthers and the Saints, I think they will, they will struggle more. Um, you know, we'll see, uh, if they can adjust now that they, you know, are expecting not to have Ridley, if the offense looks a little bit more prepared for that absence. Um, but I mean the Falcon, in terms of the Falcons defense matching up with the Saints offense, it just, it's so sketchy. Um, I just don't know that I could Alan Kamara is just going to run over the Falcons defense and it and it's really it comes down to like the Falcons are just going to have to score you know I think the I think the magic number is like 20 plus points you know I think if the Falcons score 20 plus points they have a good chance of winning um you know that would have beat the Panthers it might beat the Saints who are going to be starting you know Trevor Simeon or Taysom Hill or whoever the hell it doesn't really matter the Falcons maybe both shown. yeah maybe a combination uh the Falcons you know aren't going to play great defense either way. So the Falcons offense is going to have to figure out a way to get it done. And, um, you know, I'm not super, I guess, enthused about the prospects of that happening, but it's possible, especially because it's a division game and these are always weird. But where are you you at with this one, Dave, at this point? Mr. Cho? Oh, he's muted. Oh, he's muted. Sorry. (laughs) It's okay. Sorry. Classic. Yeah, no, it, it... You know, it pains me to think of the Falcons not kicking off the Arthur Smith era with a win against the Saints, but 
I'm kind of thinking that's what's going to happen. You know, like it, it's for all the reasons that we've kind of outlined to this point is that I, I think the offense will be better. But if you're looking at this Saints ground game, if you're looking at the way Sean Payton clearly, you know, can't uh, can't live his life. I was going to say something more inappropriate, but he can't live his <laughs> life uh, without beating the Falcons. And he sort of builds his entire life around it. Um I just I can't see them going into New Orleans after struggling as badly as they did a week ago and, and overcoming all of that. I'd love to see it. Maybe they'll surprise us, but you know them them sort of beating um, the Buccaneers with with Simeon under center told me a lot about how good this team can be. So I guess our only hope is that they they start Hill at quarterback. He's totally erratic and. You know, they, they squeak one out that way. I, I really would like to feel much better about this than I do. And I, I think, you know, even Saints fans were saying, you know, the trash talk is missing from Falcons fans heading into this game. And I, I think it's just all of us being terrified that it's not going to end the way we want it to, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, I think the Panthers game was such a wet fart of a game. It's just like, you know, yeah. no one's excited about this team now. It's like, oh, wow, we just had that total slop fest now we have to go on the road to to face you know a division rival, and honestly, the Falcons have played a lot better on the road. So maybe, maybe we should be more excited about this. The Falcons are zero and three at home, three and one on the road, or you know neutral, aka London, I guess. Um, so maybe that means they'll actually play better in this game. But uh, it's it's a tough matchup. I think it's a, it's a tough one. But I do you know agree with what Jason Greenway says in the chat. The Falcons Saints games are are generally always close matchups, and I think this one will be no different. Um, it's really, to me, I think it depends. I think the, the defense is not going to be great. I think the Falcons offense is going to have to win this one. Like they're going to have to win every game this year. And, uh, you know, it's up to Arthur Smith and company to find a way to beat this Saints defense. And honestly, this Saints defense has given uh, most of the teams they've played their, their worst game of the season in terms of offensive output. So, um, it's entirely possible that they find a way, uh, but you know, if they do, that's, that's. The best way to start this thing off. That, that would literally be like, I mean, not a Super Bowl win, but that would be a, <laughs> a you know, a very exciting moment considering what we've seen in the last couple of years. Like, I honestly, like, I would, you know, obviously still pay attention the rest of the season and care what happens, but that would be the highlight, I think, for a lot of us is going in and beating the Saints. And I think what for the fans, um, for Falcons fans who aren't trash talking and stuff, um, it's fun to trash talk Saints fans because we, we just don't like their team and we hate everything about their team. Um, but the Falcons haven't backed up a lot of our shit talking, at least for me. <laughs> like I stopped shit talking a long time ago because I realized the Falcons don't have my back against the Saints. Um, yeah. I think we've lost like six of the last seven against the Saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, last win was what, 2019. And then before that was probably like 2016 or 2017. Before that was the Deion Jones pick. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, they're just not backing up the shit talking, so why even bother? But um we hate the Saints and we're always gonna hate the Saints, so Yep. Whatever. Yeah. But it's, when what when other better teams back up our shit talking that's uh, what like I the love. Vikings in the yeah, playoffs right. and you know the Bucks <laughs> in the playoffs last year. Yeah. That's when Falcons Twitter is uh is in form. Yes. Yeah. And and that's the thing, like when people say like, you know, if I if the year has to be 
it used to be two and 14. Now it's two and 15 and both wins are over the saints. Like <laughs> you could deal with that. Like if they beat the saints twice this year and they, that's the only two games they win the rest of the way, you'll be like pretty successful retooling year for the Falcons, like feeling good about them going forward. <laughs> feeling like, good. Yeah. That's, that's how much, you know, beating the saints means. And, and, you can bet if they do win that I will be going into that home matchup talking it, a lot of shit. It reminds me oh, yeah. of that meme of where it like shows the future and it's like this is this is how Earth would be if this happened. That would be Earth if the Falcons were six and seven against Right, right. <laughs> oh, winning yeah. six and seven against the Saints, but we live in an alternate timeline, so Yeah. It's dark. It's dark out there. Hopefully the Falcons start playing a little bit now, better. If the Saints win both matchups this year, they will um tie this all time series. Yeah, no, so I can't, can't live in that happen. world. Yeah, we can't let that happen. So, uh, Falcons yeah. got to win at least one of these, and uh, you know we'll see. Judging by, like I said, the Falcons are playing a lot better on the road, so maybe they win the road one, um, which I think will be very important to their very. <laughs> they uh, haven't won a single game at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It hasn't even been a home field this year. No, I heard all those Let's three. Go Panthers mm-hmm. chants last week. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you can hear that on TV. Yep. So you know, we'll and I don't. And again, I don't. I don't blame the Falcons fan base at all for not showing up. What no. what are they showing up to? Mm-hmm. It, right. It's it's this is fully on the franchise and team itself. Oh yeah, yeah. It's difficult. It's difficult watch a lot of weeks. Um. So yeah. you know they got to start demonstrating why fans should go pay primo money to to go watch them. Um. And I sure I, as shit wouldn't. <laughs> right. At this point, certainly not. So, um. Yeah. Uh. Let's uh. Before we get that was like the saddest cover. That was very like, sad. That was very sad. Thank you, Adnan, for that one. Um, let's, let's put yeah. a positive spin on things and say that Cordell Patterson. Yeah. That's, hey, yeah. Patterson. And AJ Terrell's blowing up. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dave, by the way, if uh, we lose this week, I'm not writing another article this season. I'm I'm just <laughs> announcing that now. Yeah, but you wrote your so contract. So again, I'm going to note that that contract is in blood. <laughs> yes. Blood. You don't I, want to mess with blood I, magic. Yeah, yeah you, I, I don't I, even I know. I don't even know how I agreed to that in the first place. Yeah, that's you part know, of the it, deal. It, it, you forget it. He makes you forget the process after it's over, and you don't never really remember how you ended up here. You just sort of yeah, it, one it, it's day just po- yeah. poke your finger with this and just like sign on. It. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's funny because like the way we talk about me and the site on the stream is going to like get Rumpel still see on watch list like hundred percent. Like whoa, what's going on? Yeah, the N- the NLRB is going to be sending you a nice email. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely getting the OSHA Delta team at some point for sure. So <laughs> they, they'll show up to the Falcoholic offices, but the joke is they don't exist. So they'll mm-hmm. be like looking it's around. Just, it's just yeah. me and my moose outside this yeah, window. Yeah, they'll be like, so. "Oh, there's right. moose here." I don't know. This seems sketchy, but uh, yeah. Well, before we get into more moose talk, uh, let me remind folks to please like and subscribe if you haven't done so yet. We really appreciate that. Both of those metrics help us out. Um, you can check out. Uh, the Patreon page for interested in supporting the show, getting access to some exclusive content, including ad-free versions of the podcast earlier than they show up on the platforms, and also some exclusive content like uh, the patron Q&A sessions and more that we're working on. Um, and yeah, we just really appreciate everyone for, for donating, everyone for asking questions, for hanging out in the chat. Uh, we just really appreciate you guys. Um, so before we get out of here, I want to thank all my guests and co-hosts this evening. First of all, we have Dave Choate. At the Falcoholic himself, Dave, anything that you'd like to plug before we sign off? Just the customary, like the the great work you guys are doing, the weekly features that I think are so good. Um, 
you know, taking a look at sort of statistically where the teams are in any given week, what, what the winning and losing scenario looks like, breaking down fantasy advice, which is hopefully helping people um, do better than I am this year. So hope you're you're checking us out every day and, and certainly every week to, to see what we're up to, because even if the Falcons aren't good, we promise to be pretty good. Pretty yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, pretty good. That's our motto usually. You know, let's be pretty good. So I think I think we meet that most of the time. Uh, <laughs> also, folks, we have with us tonight Adnan Ikid. She's at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything that you're working on you'd like to plug? Not if the Falcons lose this weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, fantasy stud and dud is Mondays. Um, series history and what if we win or lose is uh, going on Saturday. Yeah, yep. Definitely check those out as well. And finally, we have director of guest personnel, Evan Birchfield. He's at Evan Birchfield on the Twitters. Evan, anything you're working on you'd like to plug? Um, just go to thefalcon.com for everything. Uh, daily injury reports. Um, I have an article. I don't write often because I'm rarely inspired by this team, but I decided to write about AJ Terrell, and that's on the site. Um, follow on Facebook, Instagram, the underscore Falcolic, and then obviously on Twitter, the Falcolic. On, uh, yeah, just thanks for hanging out with us. Yep, yep, and I'm Kevin Knight at Falcohol. Kevin on the Twitters. Give me a follow there. Uh, like I said, check out uh, everything on thefalcoholic.com. Uh, I'll be having more stuff this week. Uh, my game picks, which I'm doing terribly at over the first two weeks that we've been doing that series. That'll be tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, also, some more stuff about the game, like matchups, um, stats preview. That'll be coming over the next couple days as well, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, follow the show at Falcoholic Live. Like I said, check out all the usual stuff, the Discord, the Patreon. All that stuff is in the show description if you haven't checked that out. Please do. Um, and, yeah, guys, we just really appreciate you all hanging out. Uh, you can join us again on Sunday after the game with the Saints where uh, I am contractually obligated to talk about it. So, uh, you know, we will uh, be talking about the game there. Hopefully it's a positive thing. Um, you know, maybe it won't be, uh, I'm, I'm holding out hope still, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, Sunday, you know, usually around 415, 420, something like that is when we go live, uh, depending on how long the game takes. So check us out there. Um, and, uh, we'll just hope for the best with that game. And then we have a late donation here from George, uh, who wants to get a joke in. All right. So, uh, he says the Falcons official team book is the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy. We're mostly harmless. So there you go. There's a little little hitchhikers joke there for you guys, uh, for those of you that are yeah, so, so if we score 42 points, we'll uh, we'll win. Yeah, there you go. Hey, just score. That's yeah, true. That is the answer. It should so. have been against the Dolphins, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That would have been perfect. <laughs> well, we missed the opportunity for that, but we can still do it against the Saints. So, you mm. know, it'll, it'll just, it'll have to do. It'll have to do. Well, look at us making literature jokes. Who I know, we're so classy here. So classy. We are extremely well-read. Yes, we mm-hmm. are. All right, guys. Thanks so much. Spot Ron cover to cover. Yep, <laughs> I, I I don't doubt it. Dave Dave is always sending us lots of long forms to read in the chat. Uh, I, I never read any of those, Dave. I'm, <laughs> Dave, I'm no, nobody does. I don't know why I do it, but I do. <laughs> Dave just wants to show us how well read he is, and I, I appreciate the flex. Exactly. So. I haven't read them either. Dave, one day I'm actually going to read one of those and call you out on it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like, oh. it's not even like. It's Laura Mipsum. That's all it is. I'm going to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Just over and over again. Yep. 
All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. We'll see you again on Sunday for our post-game show for Week 9. Until then, have a great night. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you on Sunday, folks. Have a great night.